All right, all right. You guys can start making your way back to your seats. I love that part of church. It's my favorite to watch you guys all getting to know each other. It's just my favorite because we've had to be apart for so long, so I just love seeing everyone reconnecting again. Um, so for obviously the best decade was the 80s because that was the year I was born. So I mean, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But I think, I think definitely I always am like, oh, what would it have been like to have been alive in the 1800s? And then I'm like, oh, my gosh, we would have had to, like, shovel our way to the barn and, like, you know, milk cows and stuff. I'm like, I'm good. Electricity, heat, I'm happy. Thank you, Lord. I was born in the right decade. <laughs> but anyways, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Natalie. It's so good to meet you. I get to work here. It's, like, the best. It's my favorite thing to do. I get to come and talk to you guys every week. And this is one of my favorite things I get to do is to just share with you what God is speaking with me. And so we have actually been in this series called Hello, My Name is Jesus, like literally almost since the beginning of our church starting, and we are getting so close to the end. We are, we are like right at the tail end, and the reason we've been doing this is because sometimes Jesus gets a really bad rap, and honestly, it's, sometimes it's because Christians make him look bad. And so as we have been going through this series, we're like, let's correct the record. Let's go back and see what Jesus actually did, what he actually said, and who he was. And let's live by that. Be instead of just like living off what we think Jesus was like, what we think Jesus might have thought, let's just dive right in and hear and see what he did firsthand. And so we're going to be going towards um, the very end. It's going to be in Luke 22 uh, 66. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open those up. I'm going to give you time since we don't have, I normally would be <laughs> letting you just watch what's up there. But if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open it up. If you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles right outside this door in a little box and they're free. They're for you. So please grab one if you would like one. They're there for you. Um, zero charge. And if you don't want to grab it there like later, you can grab one from the uh, Next Steps booth as well. But so in Luke 22, we see Jesus right here. He is like at the end of his life. He is on his deathbed, and he's like like past giving the last messages. He, he's already done giving his last messages, but he's literally like at probably like one of the worst moments in his life. He is getting, um, he's going in front of the courts, basically. He's been dragged out from his friends, and he is now having to face the court for what they are accusing him of. And he's literally, at this moment, the whole world feels like it's against him. Couldn't be really worse. He knows what's coming. He's prepared. He's ready. He knows he's about to die in a few days. But I think in this moment, what Jesus, honestly, I think there are some really powerful messages that he is wanting to speak just through his actions, not even his words, because you'll see in this, he says like two sentences in this entire thing, but his actions speak a very loud message for you and I today. And that message to me is one of the most amazing things is that he's not a far-off God. He literally came to this earth to experience all of the difficulties that we experience and more because he wants us to know, I get it. I've been there with you. You're not alone. I'm here. I've been through it too, and I'm going to show you how to get through it. I'm going to show you how to get through it when it feels like the entire word, world is against you. And so before we get started, I just, 
I just want to pray because I feel like some, as I was going through this, I was like, wow, some of this stuff is really important for us to hear, um, especially if we're going through a hard time. So if you could just honestly just put your hands out however you feel um, led to do, I'm going to go ahead and pray. Jesus, would you be here with us today? Holy Spirit, I know you have a message to speak. And so I just pray that whatever it is that you have to say to each person in this room today, Holy Spirit, would you be here? Would you be present with us? Would your heart show so brightly? Would we not miss a single message that you're trying to send from this story? God, I believe you have a word for us today. So would you be here and speak in Jesus' name? Amen. All right. So let's go ahead. We're going to read through the story And then I'm going to tell you what I think Jesus is saying to us. So here we go. When it was morning, the religious leaders of the people and the high priests and the scholars all got together and brought him before their high council. They said, are you the Messiah? He answered, if I say yes, you won't believe me. If I asked you what you meant by your question, you wouldn't answer me. So here's what I have to say. From here on. The Son of Man takes his place at the right hand of God, the place of power. They all said, so you admit your claim to be the Son of God. You're the ones who keep saying it, he said. But they had made up their minds. Why do we need any more evidence? We've all heard him as good as say it himself. And then they all took Jesus to Pilate and began to bring up charges against him. And they said, we found this man undermining our law and order, forbidding taxes to be paid to Caesar and setting himself up as the Messiah King. And Pilate asked him, is it true that you are the king of the Jews? Those are your words, not mine, Jesus replied. Pilate told the high priest and the accompanying crowd, I find nothing wrong here. He seems harmless to me. But they were vehement. He's stirring up unrest among the people with his teaching, disturbing the peace everywhere. Starting in Galilee and now all along through Judea, he's a dangerous man endangering the peace. When Pilate heard that, he asked, so he's a Galilean? Realizing that he would properly now come under Herod's jurisdiction instead. So he passed the buck to Herod who just happened to be in Jerusalem for a few days. Now, Herod was delighted when Jesus showed up, and he had wanted to see him because he had heard so much about him, and he hoped he, to see him do something spectacular. He peppered him with questions, but Jesus didn't answer, not even one word. But the high priests and religion scholars were right there, saying their piece, strident and shrill in their accusations. Mightily offended, Herod turned on Jesus. His soldiers joined in, taunting and jeering. They dressed him up in an elaborate king costume and sent him back to Pilate. That day, Herod and Pilate became thick as thieves, but before they had kept their distance. Then Pilate called in the high priests, rulers, and others and said, You brought this man to me as a disturber of the peace. I examined him in front of all of you and found there was nothing to your charge, and neither did Herod, for he was sent back here with a clean bill of health. It's clear that he's done nothing wrong, let alone anything deserving of death. I'm going to warn him to watch his step and let him go. And at that, the crowd went wild. Kill him. Give us Barabbas. Now, Barabbas had been thrown in prison for starting a riot in the city and for murder. (laughs) Pilate still wanted to let Jesus go, and so he spoke again. But they kept shouting back, crucify him, crucify him. And he tried for a third time. 
But for what crime? I found nothing in him deserving death. I'm going to warn him to watch his step and let him go. But they kept at it, a shouting mom, demanding he be crucified. And finally, they shouted him down, and Pilate caved in. He gave them what they wanted. He released the man thrown in prison for rioting and murder and gave them Jesus to do whatever they wanted. Now, that was a long story, but there's a lot in there. Now, clearly, I mean, all of us have gone through really hard times, right? All of us have probably felt like the world is against us. We've probably even had people throw accusations at us, slander our character. We've had, even if we didn't have someone come after us, we felt like literally the world was just against us. You go through hard times and you're like, why does it feel like my whole world is falling apart? But none of us have faced this exact situation. Otherwise, we're, I mean, we wouldn't be sitting here right now, right? But nothing about this story was accidental. It was meant for you and me because Jesus knew that you and I were going to go through some of the same things he went through. And he actually put himself in harm's way just to be able to relate to us. No, he, he really, he could have gotten out of this if he really wanted to because he's God. But he chose to endure the difficulty so that he could bring the miracle afterwards. He wanted to show you that no matter what you go through, you can get to the other side. Your miracle is waiting on the other side. His goal wasn't to get out of the trouble. It was to help us and to give us the tools to keep going. So how many of you can relate? to maybe some of those things that he was feeling that moment where you feel like everything is coming against you. Jesus wants you to know that you are not alone and that you can make it through. So the three lessons I think he's speaking to us, we're going to dive into each one, but I'm going to just give you the cheat sheet ahead of time. Things I think he's saying is, first and foremost, stick with love. Secondly, stick with your mission no matter what. Stick with your mission. And third, stick with the truth. So we're just going to jump right in. First of all, stick with love. Honestly, people are fickle. People are fickle. Not one of us are going to be able to please every single person in our life. It's impossible. I mean, literally, we're all different. And so we all have different preferences. You're not going to be for everybody. It's normal. But not only are we just not for everybody, but people will turn on you. Not, none of us get to get around that. All of us will experience hurt at one point in our life. We'll experience a betrayal at some point in our life. And I wish I could say, no, it's going to be fine. You're going to have great relationships. You'll never get hurt. But all of us experience difficulties with being betrayed by people. And so Jesus in this moment is showing us what to do when that happens. He's saying, don't try to get around it. Just rise above it because people are going to turn on you. So how do you rise above it? The first way is that he shows us that retaliation is not the way. I mean, honestly, if what would your response be if you were in that room and there was an entire crowd like shouting at you to be murdered? What would you do if you were standing in front of an entire crowd and they're like literally just telling lies about you and you're just standing there? I don't know about you, but I would not be as patient as Jesus. I would be, like, throwing down. I'd be, like, trying to correct the narrative. I'd be, like, excuse me, you're all liars. <laughs> you know, I just don't know that I could be quiet. I have way too much sass in me, and I, don't, I just don't think it would probably end that well. I'd probably end up in a brawl. 
Now you know a little bit about my sass, but seriously, I just don't know if I would respond the same way. I don't know if I could keep my mouth closed about people who were lying about me. But Jesus shows us that, that love is the way we rise above. So Peter later on would reflect on this moment. And Peter was one of Jesus' disciples. He was like all throughout, peppered all throughout these stories. And he later reflects in 1 Peter, and actually we're going to read quite a bit of 1 Peter today too because he looks back on this moment and he just kind of lays it all, for, all out for us about what Jesus was doing. And he says in 1 Peter 2, 22 and 23, he says, Jesus never sinned and he never spoke deceitfully even when he was verbally abused. He did not return with an insult when he suffered. He would not threaten retaliation. Jesus faithfully entrusted himself into the hands of God who judges righteously. Now, I don't know about you, but it's so much easier said than done to not retaliate and to just go, it's all right. People are saying crazy stuff about me, but you know what? I trust you, God. I trust your plan. I trust your purpose. That is so much harder said, like easier said than done. But Jesus in this moment was like, I entrust myself to God. doesn't matter what I'm accused of. I trust you, God. And I'm going to choose love. So when they couldn't attack his character, they made up petty word games, right? They wanted to try and twist his words. And that's what happens sometimes, right? They had to do that because there is no law against love. They couldn't find him breaking a law based on his actions, based on his character, because he was full of love. He was love embodied. And when you choose love, God will defend you. You don't have to fight for yourself. That song we sang today, you are my champion. Giants fall when you speak. Because you stand undefeated. So we have to choose love. Later he says in 3, 13 through 18, he says, If with heart and soul you're doing good, do you think you can be stopped? Even if you suffer for it. You're still better off. Don't give the opposition a second thought through thick and thin. Keep your hearts at attention in adoration before Christ your master. Be ready to speak up and tell anyone who asks why you're living the way you are and always with utmost courtesy. I think we get that wrong sometimes. We forget the courtesy part. <laughs> we tell people why we live for Jesus, but we forget the courtesy. Anyways, then he says, keep a clear conscience before God so that when people throw mud at you, none of it will stick. They'll end up realizing they're the ones who need a bath. So be above it. Don't get pulled down into the mud. I love this phrase that Taka always says, and he says, don't mess around fighting with a pig, because you'll both get muddy, and the pig will have fun doing it, right? <laughs> don't waste your time fighting with a pig. Choose the way of love. Just walk away. Your character needs to be like Teflon so that when people throw that mud, everyone will see that it holds no water. They will see that it cannot stand. And the only way you can have that kind of character is by spending time with Jesus. The truth is that you and I become like whoever we hang out with. So whoever we spend the most time with, we end up saying their same words. We end up having their same gestures. We end up acting the same way. And if we want to be like Jesus, we have to spend time with him. There's no two ways about it. We have to spend time with him. And the only way we can do that is by spending time in prayer and by reading our Bible. 
That's how we spend time with him. And that's how we become refined. That's how we build that kind of character. It's in those moments when we say, God, I surrender and I trust this situation to you. Help me to be like you. I don't know what to do in this situation, so I'm going to study you, and I'm going to find out what you did, and that's what I want to be like. So ask him. Just say, God, help me to love my enemies and help me to see them the way that you do and leave the retaliation to God. He then goes on in 1 Peter 5, 8 through 11 to say, keep a cool head, stay alert. The devil is poised to pounce and would like nothing better than to catch you napping. So keep your guard up. You're not the only ones who've been plunged into these hard times. It's the same with Christians all over the world. So keep a firm grip on the faith because your suffering won't last forever. It won't be long before this generous God who has great plans for us in Christ, eternal and glorious plans they are, will have you put together and on your feet for good. He gets the last word. He gets the last word. Yes, he does. So stick to love and let God be the one who brings your justice. Next, he teaches us to stick with the mission. Now, this is crazy to me, honestly, because we just talked about how the Pharisees were <laughs> like lying about him and accusing of him. But not only does he not say anything bad about them or try to like show everybody that they're being ridiculous, he doesn't even try to correct them. It's crazy to me because I'm like, why would you not even try to correct them? I mean, you know the truth. We all know the truth of what really happened. Why would you just let that happen? The reason why he did all of this, he went through all this suffering, suffering was because he knew the end goal. He had a mission because he knew that his death was going to mean freedom for you and I. Again, in that song, I keep thinking, giants fall when he speaks. It was his death that brought about our freedom. And he knew no matter what, it didn't matter what he went through. He loves us so much that he was willing to go through it for you and I. Not just for you and I, but for his haters. <laughs> Think about that for a second. Would you do that for your haters? Oh, my gosh, I just don't even know. <laughs> I mean, I love Jesus, but I don't know. It would be really hard for me to lay down my life for my haters and to willingly walk out and be like, you know what, you're, you're uh, mocking me, you're abusing me, you're going to beat me up, and you're going to kill me, but you know what, go for it because I know that in the end I'm going to save you. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I just don't know if I would do that, but Jesus did. He did that. And I love that because he's saying it doesn't matter even today what you've done. It doesn't matter how far you think you've been. It doesn't matter if you think you're the worst person in the world. Jesus still says, I love you. I love you. And there's nothing I won't do for you. 1 Peter 2, 24 and 25 says he carried himself, or sorry, he carried himself our sins in his body on the cross so that we would be dead to sin and live for righteousness. Our instant healing flowed from his wounding. You were like sheep that continually wandered away, but now you've returned to the true shepherd of your lives, the kind guardian who lovingly watches over your souls. 
See, if we're not choosing to be led by mission, we will be led by ease. I just want to say that one more time. If we're not choosing to be led by mission, we will be led by ease. And at the end of our lives, do we want to get to the end of our life and go, yep, I lived an easy life. So proud of myself. (laughs) Or do we want to be like, I live my life with mission and I did good for others. People can say at the end of my life, they're going to go to my funeral and be like, that was a good woman. That was a good man. They cared for their family. They loved for their family. They did good things in this world. They were not content to just live easy and get their own way all the time. They live for other people. And that's what I want to live with. That's what I want said, spoken of me at the end of my life. Jesus took your wounds because he wants to heal you. And he wants to love you. And he did that because he didn't forget his mission. And neither can we. Stick to our mission. And then the lastly is stick with the truth. I think the saddest thing about this story is that it could have gone differently if the Pharisees had just decided that they wanted to live with truth. They wanted to be truthful. It could have gone differently if they would have sought out God and what he thought about this whole situation. Because I guarantee, if they would have just been like, God, what do you think about this guy, Jesus? He would have told them the truth, right? Their first mistake was that they decided that their agenda was more important than the truth. And that still happens to us today. We get so in love with our comfort that we will do anything to make sure we get to keep that. We get in a bubble where all we see is our own perspective. And sometimes we even do that to the point where we'll twist the truth to fit our personal narrative. We'll take a scripture and be like, oh yeah, I'm just, you know, whatever. You, you twist it and you try to make it justify whatever you're doing, right? But in our hearts, we know that's not what God wants from me. He wants me to ask him first. He wants to have a relationship with me and communicate with me. He wants to guide me and lead me. But so many times we just decide that we're going to make a decision and ask God to bless it later. The Pharisees, they're just going to make the decision and ask God to bless it. And the whole time they missed that God was already blessing something. If they would have just jumped into what God was already blessing, they wouldn't have missed it. But instead, they missed out on the biggest opportunity of their life. The thing I think that we need to think about is that some of us have gotten in the habit of just agreeing with whatever thought comes into our mind. We think, you know, I'm such a bad person. I had the thought, it must be true. We think, oh, my situation sucks. My life is bound for the pit. And we just agree with it. We just believe it. It's there. It must be true. No. God has truth and life waiting for you if you will just approach him and ask him. He wants to speak with you and give you life. He wants to let you in on his secrets and to know his plans. He wants to let you know what he's already blessing so you can jump in with it and be a part of it. But some of us 
us have gotten in the habit of just agreeing with whatever feeling we have, whatever thought pops into our mind. And unknowing, we, rele- we release the enemy to wreak havoc into our life. Just like the Pharisees did. They're like, I want my agenda so bad. I want to believe what's in my mind so bad that I'm going to release the actual enemy, the actual one who actually did start riots, the one who murdered people into my life. They chose the real bad guy. And I think sometimes I I can't even help but see the parallels in our life. Because sometimes we let the real bad guy wreak havoc in our life because we just decide to believe whatever pops in our mind instead of going, Jesus, what do you say? What does your word say? Because your word says that you want to bring hope and a future life. Your word gives me guidance. Your word tells me how to have great character, how to let that mud slip right off me. Right? What does your word say? So I think sometimes we make an agreement with our enemy and we sacrifice our faith at the altar of our agenda. The Pharisees saw what they wanted to see. And we get that way sometimes, don't we? We see what we want to see. 